Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure and, and an honor to be here today. Back in, in 1954, when I was lucky enough to be your age, I gave a speech when I graduated from boys' school. I got to give the speech because I was the valedictorian, and at that time they let the valedictorian say what he, he or she uh, wanted to say. I wasn't valedictorian because of any particular virtue. It was because my father was an Irish farmer. I'd gotten a scholarship to this boys' school in Massachusetts, and I knew if I didn't come up with good grades, I wouldn't get a scholarship and I wouldn't go on to university. So there was a kind of a spur behind the whole thing. But in this speech, I said that uh, what I thought we ought to do with our lives was to find a cause worth dying for and then devote ourselves to that cause. My mother saved the speech for me, and I read it a few years ago. It was pretty corny. It was what you'd expect from a valedictorian in boys' school. But now that I look back on it, there was an essential truth in it. What, you should find, what one has to find in this life, I think, is something that's worthwhile doing. And then do it as well as you can. I was fortunate. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got out of college. I went into the Army because we still had conscription, we still had military service then, and I wanted to get it out of the way. It was just before the Vietnam War, and I became an Army journalist. I got out of the Army and I went down to Vietnam. It was my first assignment for the UPI, a wire service. I never managed to get away from the war in all my years as a journalist, either covering it for three years in Vietnam, and then later on in Washington as Pentagon correspondent, as White House correspondent, and as an investigative reporter who, managed, who was lucky enough to, to obtain the Pentagon Papers for the New York Times. But I was fortunate because the journalists were the only group who could fulfill themselves amidst this great tragedy. And Vietnam was an enormous tragedy, which the leaders of our country inflicted upon us and upon the, and upon the peoples of Indochina. It came out of that age-old vice of man, the wish to dominate other men. And it led us to taking millions of lives and tens of thousands of the lives of our own people. But what a journalist could do amidst all that tragedy was to try to find the truth and to get it published. And that's how you fulfill yourself as a journalist. And at the end of 10 years of covering the war in Vietnam, in Vietnam or in Washington, I set off to write a book about it after going to the funeral of a man who, who had come to personify it, John Paul Van, because I wanted to bear witness to this experience which had been the central experience of my life and had been the central event, I felt, of the whole post-war period. It had changed our country forever. And so I was fortunate, and I hope you'll be fortunate, in finding something to fulfill yourselves, because the old verities really apply. The longer you live, the more you see it. We're all destined to become dust. Someday the sun, if one of the honorees for this meeting is correct, will turn into that supernova and then it will burn out and this earth will become cold. But in the meantime, we have an opportunity, a chance, 
to light a candle, and the candle is worth lighting just for the light it gives in and of itself. When I used to go into battle as a correspondent in Vietnam when I, many years ago now, I was very afraid of dying. At first, it was fun. And then when I almost got killed, I realized that this was a dangerous business. It wasn't like going to a football game. And so I had great fear. I'd have to overcome the fear Every, each time I went into battle to cover what the troops were doing. Now, at this point in my life, I'm sure I'd still be afraid of dying. I still am. But I wouldn't have quite the same fear, I think, that I had in those younger years in Vietnam, because I've had the chance to do something with my life. I don't know how valuable my work is, only time can tell. But at least I have had the opportunity to accomplish something with those years. And so if I were to go now, I wouldn't want to. I want to enjoy. I look forward to grandchildren. I look forward to the years with my wife ahead. But if I were to go now, at least I think I would have, I would, I would fear it less because I, I, I hadn't wasted those years that I have. I, had I have friends in Washington, friends my age, who make far more money in a year than I will see in my lifetime. And they are unhappy people because they are not doing what they really want to do. Dr. Check mentioned opportunity. Well, there's an old Marine Corps saying it applies to opportunity. It's about luck, which is the same as opportunity. It says that luck is when preparation and opportunity coincide. So whatever you do do to fulfill yourselves, work at the basics, I think. I think that's so important to all of us. It was so important to me in my career. Starting out as a wire service reporter, writing initially those short dispatches that a wire service reporter writes, building up to magazine pieces, moving to Washington, tackling tougher and more complex stories, building to the point where when I got the Pentagon Papers for the Times in 1971, I was, I was at the point professionally where I could handle something like that. And then in 1972, when I wanted to take leave and, and to write a book, on this, to bear witness to this event of my life, I was ready to do it. It was an incredible challenge, but I had fulfilled, I had, I, I, had, I had worked hard enough on the basics so that I could accomplish what I set out to do. And that's terribly important to you. I can't emphasize it enough. Whatever you do, learn how to do it, learn how to do it well, learn everything you can about your field. Don't feel ashamed to get your hands dirty. Don't feel ashamed to spend long hours when others are having fun. Have fun, of course. Have fun in life. Enjoy pleasure. Enjoy yourselves. But learn the basics, because when the challenge comes, when the moment of opportunity and challenge comes, if you really know what you're doing in your field, you'll have a much better chance of prevailing and not, and not facing that terrible disappointment of knowing that you failed because you hadn't done the work to prepare yourselves enough. I also think that one ought to hope and try to fulfill oneself because we are a unique society, this United States of ours. 
This country really is the last best hope for humankind. To be born an American or to become an American by immigration is a privilege. But it's also a, a burden. It's a duty. It lays upon you the duty to leave this country a better place for those who come after you. Generation upon generation of American men and women have enjoyed that privilege and they've fulfilled that duty. It's given them a much better feeling about themselves and their lives when they go on into their sunset years. And so I say to you now, in your morning years, that I hope you'll enjoy the privilege and you'll also take up the burden and leave it a better place when you reach my age and you're looking toward the sun, setting of the sun. Thank you very much. Hello, my name is John Raymond. I'm from Seattle, Washington. Do you feel as a journalist that there are certain things which are better left unpublished? Sometimes you run across uh, things about people, personal details about people, which can only hurt them. Uh, you sometimes run across things which uh, involve genuine military security, for example, which you, you yourself would not want to publish. However, I think to maintain our system, if you're a journalist or if you're a writer uh, or if you're an American, uh, and I would quote the late uh, uh, Hugo Black, Justice Hugo Black, uh, uh, you have to be an absolutist on publication, on the First Amendment, because whatever harm is done by excessive publication, greater harm is done by censorship. And to preserve our society, you have to put up with the evil as well as the good. Uh, I was just wondering, as a writer and a veteran, uh, do you find that the movies of uh, like Oliver Stone and Stanley Kubrick are accurate depictions of, of the war, both here and away? The movies on Vietnam have been uh, a very mixed group indeed. I mean, you go from um, uh, movies like the, these, these ludicrous Rambo things uh, 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 to, uh, to movies like the earlier movies like The Deer Hunter, which were profoundly racist uh, in, in, in their uh, 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 attitude toward the Vietnamese. Uh, Americans have uh, culturally uh, have profound racism toward Asians. I noticed it once when a Japanese-American Marine lieutenant, I mean, I gave up on, 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 on this as, as a kind of a hopeless trait of our culture, when a, a Japanese-American Marine lieutenant named Yanagihara from Hawaii, I think that was his name, was talking about the gooks in Da Nang and Vietnam. And I thought to myself, my God, it's, it's, it's absolutely hopeless. So you get that, that racism in movies like The Deer Hunter, you get it in, in other films, but uh, Oliver Stone has probably produced the best of the Vietnam movies. Um, I didn't like uh, Born on the Fourth of July as much as I did Platoon, but Platoon, which is a brutal movie, uh, nevertheless caught the war that the infant, it wasn't the whole of the Vietnam War, but it did catch in a capsule way the horror of the infantryman's war in Vietnam. Uh, and, uh, and I thought he did it well. There were, the, there were, there were flaws in it, obviously. There, were, there always are. Born on the 4th of July uh, had, I thought, more flaws. But, but again, it, it, was, it, was a, it caught, it caught a, a sense of, of truth 
in that so many young men who went off to war went off to war believing that they were doing the right thing patriotically and then they had to face for the first time in our history uh, uh, the, the experience of coming home from a bad war, a war that had been fought in vain. Hi, um, my name is Annalisa Nazarena. I'm from Los Angeles, California. Uh, do you feel that television media is as factual or valid as print media, and do you feel that the American public is receiving packaged news designed for commercial ends? Well, I think it depends upon the people, the network, the station. If you're talking about it locally, it depends on the station. If you're talking about nationally, it depends on networks and people within networks. Um, television has, has, has obviously got its drawbacks because there, there's little time in which to, 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 give in, to give information. It's dependent upon a commercial system, and therefore you have to appeal to, 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 to an audience. And all of this leads to a certain homogeneity at times, to what you call packaging. Because, uh, uh, but, but that's, that's, uh, that's a, a drawback in our system that I accept because I think that it's, it's better than, than, than the other side, which is the controlled uh, system. Uh, but, however, I, I think that, by and large, television can and has been uh, a, a means of communication that has given us a, a much better, a much more rapid sense. Uh, it can give one, at least, and has often at times given one a much more rapid sense of, 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 of what's happening in an event when, when it's a visual thing that television can convey. Let me speak, let me relate it to Vietnam. If you look at the old movies, which I saw as a kid, the old movie, it was called Movie Tone, the Fox Movie Tone News was one of them. We used to get our, our visual news by going to the movie theater once a week. And you watch the films of the landing at Normandy in World War II. You see American soldiers dying as they land. But then you see lines of smashed German vehicles. You see tens of thousands of German prisoners. You see us moving on into France later on, weeks later. We get into trouble in Belgium in the winter and the Battle of the Bulge, but we're in Germany and we finally get in Berlin. If you take a look at the good television footage out of Vietnam, you see senseless violence over and over again. American soldiers dying amidst confusion, shouting, yelling uh, in villages or on ridgelines in the middle of the jungle, and it never adds up to anything. And television drove that sense of the futility and the senselessness of the war home in a way, in, in, a, very, very, in a, very dramatic, very, a very powerful way because there were visual images. It caught much of the verity of Vietnam. And so for all of its drawbacks, I, 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 I hesitate to, to, to just knock American television because I, I think you have to take the good with the bad. And, it, and, and there's an awful lot of, of, of good in it. Thank you. Thank you.